Titus. Thank you, worship team. Titus is a interesting little letter right after the letters to Timothy. If you find the book of Hebrews and turn one page back, you'll probably find it. It has one little short letter in between it. Philemon is between Titus and Hebrews. Titus is also a pastoral epistle. Paul, too, is one of his spiritual sons. Written about the church, of course, but to the, they're called pastoral epistles for that very reason. The apostle was instructing his protégés on how to pastor their church. So I think that's probably the model <laughs> that pastors should follow. In the same manner that the book of Acts is the model for the church, what God intended his church to be. Do you know that? Me and Brandon know it. The book of Acts is God's intention. I'll remind you that the Holy Spirit didn't deal and move on the writers because they had a publishing deadline or needed uh, or had a word count in their contract. They didn't need more content. <laughs> it is instruction. Well, if I turn the back one more page in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, it would say in verse 16, all scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let me help you. What is the word of God for? What is the scripture for? Its value is in teaching, doctrine, its value is in teaching. Doctrine means teaching. How many know if, 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 if the word is teaching, we should be learning? Yeah? If the word is teaching, we should be learning. It says that it's valuable. Its value is in teaching all Scripture. Uh, and it's valuable for reproof. It's valuable for correction. It's valuable for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete. Without it, you can't be complete. Without all of it, you can't be complete. That, what, that, uh, that the man, man of God, that includes the women's, <laughs> may be complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
Now, what kind of God would he be if he wanted to send you into the good fight without the proper equipment to win? You ever work for someone who gave you a job and gave you things and a deadline maybe, but didn't give you what you needed to complete it? I've been there. That's a frustrating thing. And it's not right. That's a setup to fail. Yes? The scripture is our life. There he goes. Hey, buddy. Mm -hmm. He's got a look on his face, y'all. Like, for one thing, what are you doing there and I'm doing here? And my Mimi made me mad on the way. Just giving you the update so you'd know what was going on. Then you don't have to wonder. I'm at an interesting point in my life. I think you know that. More interesting than one could ever imagine. (laughs) You know, the things people try to do in their life are never quite as interesting as what God does. (laughs) But among those things is is Pastor and Mauriceville All Gospel Church. This This is the most... This is really the highlight of my life. I mean, I love my wife and family. They're obviously who God has given me. But God's first. That's, and it's an honor of a lifetime for God to call you to ministry and to give you a people to pastor. And it's also the hardest job I've ever done and I say it's not a job don't kid yourself it's a calling it's an honor it's the joy of my life but there's a job to do (laughs) and I have a good one proud to be here never regretted it a day really that's true but it's interesting I'm saying this stuff for a reason. Even in this morning, when I began, you know, God, I I literally stood in the valley of decision for quite a while this morning. When the Spirit of God deals with you about going into places where the angels fear to tread. (laughs) How many of you know there are places that angels fear to tread? in the church in 2023. But you know what? Well, I'm just giving you a little insight, just so you know. When I stood there this morning, I I thought, I don't, no, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man, no. (laughs) This is what's going on. You know what? The Spirit of God does, I, oh, 
Can I ask, does, does the Spirit of God deal with any of you? I'm not being ugly. I'm asking, does the Spirit of God deal with you? Say things to you in your spirit. Clearly. So I ain't, I, I got nothing. You know what he said? Okay. Now, I don't know how he deals with you, but he knows my name. We just sang, I'm a friend of God. He knows my name. He calls me by my name. You know why? He knows my name. And just like Jesus did in the parables and the things, he talked to people in the language that they understood. I don't know how he talks to you, but it doesn't sound like King James. It sounds like things I understand. So God speaks hillbilly. And he said, okay. I recognize that. Because that was when I was raising kids and I knew what they needed to do and it really wasn't up for debate and they kept pushing and pressuring and trying to change your mind and all of that. Ever been there? You've been there. And I said, and I'd say, okay. Or sometimes... Go ahead. And that was never permission. That was never permission. I, one, James Robert III took it as permission one time. I ain't going to tell you about that time he went to Hooters with his friends when he was 14. Come home with a t-shirt. wasn't just a mistake. He'd been told, don't go there. But my friends are going. But my friends' parents are taking them. But, but, but you know, it's just ribs or, or, or wings. And I said, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> it wasn't permission. Walked in with Spent all of his 13-year-old, 14-year-old $30 on a Hooters t-shirt. Then immediately went in the trash. I said, I'm going to put that where it belongs, in the trash. Trash belongs in the trash. Well, I paid $30 for that. I'm sorry, you were dumb. I call that lesson learned. Yes? I'm sorry you were, that was just dumb. Well, you said, it, you said, okay, go ahead. I said, I sure did. And you ain't dumb. What are you talking about, John? Okay. And I'm just saying, because it's hard. It's hard. Hard. Do you know what? I, I, I really, more and more every day, I, come, I am sold out. Radically sold out to the Word of God. And dedicated to hearing His voice. Fully committed. The John Wesley said, give me a hundred men who fear no one but God. 
and we will change the world. That's hard to find. I'm not sure I'm there, but I'm trying. Fully committed to the whole counsel of God and what it says. And we need it. Say, why are you talking? This is the Sunday night crowd. You get to hear these kind of things. It's good for you. It gives you insight. You know, some, sometimes you just can't come up all the time and just, just I mean, you back it up with the word. That ought to be good enough. It should. It really should. But you know, people, I, I believe in communicating. If you know me at all, you know that I believe in communicating. Most, <laughs> hate to bring it up, but most scandals happen because somebody didn't communicate. Or the opposite of communicate, they cover up. Or they don't share their heart occasionally, the wise. Are you committed to the entirety of the book? No, that's a hard, that's an easy question to say, yeah. But are you? Because when we're committed to the whole counsel of God, it will deal with us wholly and counsel us. And it will go against, I, saw, I, I mentioned it to Jeff and Misty and Josh at lunch. And I'm going to say it's not, it's not breaking news. You should know this. The Word of God, the things of God, are always, somebody say always, always, always counterculture. Without exception, if it's the accepted way of the world, it will be the opposite of the Word of God every time. That's why it says, do not love the world, neither the things of this world. That's why he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God, and not to think more highly of yourself than you ought. You know, when you think more, we talked about it just a few weeks ago, or maybe even last week, about what thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. That literally falls into the category of the Word says this, but I'll do this. Because I know that that's what God said, but you know, he, God wasn't in my situation. Do you know that's how we are? That God, God wasn't in my situation. But I'll remind you that Jesus, that it says of Jesus Christ that he was tempted in all points, even as we are. Well, Jesus didn't have my, my kids. Jesus saw them. He created them. With a plan before you, ever, before you were ever born, there was a plan for your kids. Before the... <laughs> Told Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I called you as a prophet to the nations. Before you, before you were ever conceived. I got things. Mag is a family church. Do y'all know that? Do we under, I mean, I think that is. Do you understand that? Mag is a family church. We got babies all the way up to great-grandparents. I don't know, maybe great-great-grandparents. I don't know. Yeah. Family church. They march out of here every Sunday morning. People come because of it. 
It's a family church. So you know one thing that a family church, and that, and that is God's design, by the way. He, 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 young and old, together, said you needed the silver hair. They were the wisdom. Now, you know, the church model in America today is write the check and be quiet. That is the, that is the model. I don't know what in the world they're going to do when they die because they didn't learn what to do because nobody's teaching them what to do. And then I, I made some pretty radical statements. And, sometimes, and in view of where we're at in the world today, they are radical. But they're just scriptural. I, I have a little more reflection than maybe some of you think I do. I, I do ponder these things because they're not easy. I'm, pre- I'm, I'm saying all this for a good reason. I keep telling you I, I'm burdened for our teenagers, our students, and our young ones, and all of you. But I, I have a particular burden for our students. And I think there has to be a hard reset. And by hard reset, I mean what I mean by that is we have to come back to the Word of God. And we have to be willing to, to you want to cancel something? Cancel the influence of the world on your thinking. If you want to cancel something, because we, we have got to get rid of the idea that we have a particularly uh, unusual special generation going here. Well, you know, it's just, it wasn't that way. I mean, they're just different. No, no they're not. There's no, there's no separate Word of God for any particular generation. The Word of God is eternal and good for everybody. And it deals with all this stuff. And I'm saying, and there's some things I want to, because I've, 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 I've laid some things down in a few places. I've corrected some things in a few places. I've rebuked some things in a few places. Those are never fun. I'd much rather you praise and shout and get free and make good stuff to eat and send them to my house and all that stuff. But what would we be at the end of it? What would we be? You know, the Word of God has something to say about our young, our young, our young people. It has something to say about our families. It has something to say about our marriages. In fact, it has a lot to say about all of those things. And let me tell you something, it's right. It's right. It's right. It's right. We have, we, and I, when I say we, you know who that includes? Me. Because I don't ever stand and, and, and talk about families and marriages and churches and everything like I've never been involved in church trouble. I've been a, pa- a pain in, in a pastor's. backside because there's people that can swear under oath that I have I'm never going to say that every day that Heather and I've been together has been a wonder of marital bliss although she probably does feel that way (laughs) would be my guess that's probably a news flash to her You know, I've heard it said, we've never considered divorce. 
We've contemplated homicide, but never divorce. Graves and caskets are cheaper. Yes? Don't get all self-righteous because you're the same. <laughs> I never say I've never made a parenting mistake. Y'all have seen some of them. But you know what? None of that should keep anybody from reading the Word of God and obeying the Word of God. It shouldn't keep you from preaching the Word of God. It shouldn't, it could, and, and, and failures ought to put you in a position to say, don't do that. And they say, I want to do that. No, do that. I want to do that. Okay. Sometimes that's all you can say. Okay. But we're messed up. I've mentioned it a few times. I'm going to mention it again. We have lowered the bar on our children. We have very little expectation. Unless it's something we're interested in. Then they've got to be professionals. But the Word of God talks about this. And I'm going to talk about it tonight. In Titus. Paul does much the same thing. He introduces himself. He tells Titus that I'm writing you because... Uh, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to pastor. And the first thing he begins to deal with in his pastoral letter is, is the qualifications for elders. Then he begins to talk about the deceivers that are among them and names them by name again, tells what they've been doing again. He says, you ought to come against them. You ought to, you ought to rebuke them. You ought to, you ought to throw them out of your lives. You ought to dismiss their influence. He didn't say a word about, about, eating the straw and spitting out the sticks. He said they're disqualified for ministry. And you ought to throw them out. That's what he said. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2, he begins to, to talk about the qualities. That it, it may even be the header in your Bible. Titus chapter 2. It begins to talk about the qualities of a sound church. Now, I think it's interesting the qualities of a sound church because he doesn't start talking about bylaws which are needed. He didn't start talking about founding documents and all that. Those are the founding documents of the church are right there. They're needed. Yes? The first thing he begins to address when it, about about qualities of a sound church as he begins to address families. Marriages and families and children. Qualities of a sound church. You know what? I figured out pretty quick. I mean, I'm not real quick, but I was quick on this, quicker than usual, that you can't have a sound church if you don't have sound families. You cannot have a sound church if you do not have sound, well, you can't have a sound family without a sound marriage. You can't, have a, you can't have a sound church without a sound family. And you can't have sound children without all of those. It requ it's required. And it's required for moms and dads. Oh, I, I, I hate to cut right to the chase. Our number one goal is not for our kids to be our friends or for them to even like us. It's really not. That's really not. It's really not. It's really not. That's not news to me. I literally have said that all of my life. I don't care if you like me or not. How many of you have ever had their kid when there's about four years old say, I hate you? 
after their backside cools off a little, you say, I don't care. I love you enough to take care of you. I hate you. What, you, what they hate you for is they didn't let you go out and play with the rattlesnake out in the backyard. Didn't, didn't let them go out and play with the, with the Rottweiler. Didn't let them go out and didn't let them do I hate you. I want to. Well, I know, but it'll get you killed. Friendship wasn't the goal. Shouldn't be the goal, but it's... Can I ask a question? There's families here tonight, and you say, you're on. listen, this is just the order of business for MAG. If that's bothering you, it's going to bother you a long time because we're going, to, we're going to have a biblical sound church that this stuff is taught. And until we break through, we're going to teach it. Because you know what the answer for problems are? What's the answer for problems? The Word of God. What's the answer for problems? What's the word answer for problems? If you don't know, turn from Titus back one page, see what the problems are, and say, it said, I charge you before God and man preach the word. What's the word? Here's some things we got to understand. Did you, this is interesting things. Can I say some interesting things that I'm going to read? Because you're going to need to know this. Did you know that almost universally, very few exceptions, that scholarship believed that, all, that, the, that, the, that the 12, the original 12, that they were all teenagers? Well, that's a wake-up call, isn't it? Check me out. Go be a Berean. Search the scripture and see whether it be true. The only one, the exception, and, it was, and likely in his late teens or early 20s, was Peter. Peter was likely the oldest one because Peter had a wife. The rest of them didn't. And in that culture... See, how many of you know the way to learn things about the Scripture is to go back to the original audience in the original place and see how their life was? Well, they, they were different. No, James says Elijah was a man of like passions, even as we are. But I read the other day in the book of Acts where, where the apostle says, we're just people of like passions, just like you. Just normal people. So you know what they'd have been doing? The same thing other Jewish people do. I find it interesting. Now, you say you're going to know why I'm talking about it in just a minute. You know, Paul wrote to in the Corinthians. He threw it in the middle of, of, of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, when I, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But when I become a man, I put away childish things. That's kind of interesting. Do you know when Paul became a man? Same time as Peter became a man and James became a man and John became a man and, Ty, and, and, and Bartholomew became a man. And Matthias, I tell, let me tell you, that, that was not a random number, a random age. You become a man, you know, you grow up a little and you become a man later. And you, no, you know when they became a man? When they were 13. 
I was already saying, Pastor, I ought to quit school and go to work. That's not what the, he's talking about. He's talking about an age where they quit being a child and become, an, uh, and become a young adult and can start taking on young adult things. You know when it happened? For girls at 12, they're always ahead. They are. You know what? Had everything in the world to do. You know why they were always ahead? Had everything in the, in the world to do with puberty. It did. Oh, said puberty in church. God forbid. Had everything to do with puberty. Had everything when, when their body began to change from a child to an adult, when they became reproductive, when, they, when, the, when their voice deepened and body hair began and all the things and the hormones began to rage. Same thing with girls. That's real. You know why? You need, you need to know that. Because we don't have any expectation of our children. But the Word of God does. Well, it's different than, yeah, yeah you know why? It's, yeah, it's different then than now. It was harder then. We think we, we think, we think we got it hard. And then spiritually, we do. But you know what? They wouldn't, they wouldn't, the microwave didn't come along till at least. After the day of Pentecost. <laughs> and I don't think they opened the first market basket until after the close of the canon, the scripture. Are y'all even hearing me? And you know, the, uh, he had things to say about marriages, family. I'm, I, this is the groundwork. Now let's read. You ready? I'm trying to take us somewhere. Mom and dad, it's our responsibility. Church, you say, well, there's people in here. You say, I'm too old for all this. Oh, please stop. Please and stop. All scripture is inspired and it's profitable for teaching. Even you. I had to lay all that out. It had to be said. So you can go where we're going, right? He told him to get the, get the, it says, verse 16 of chapter 1 says, that, talking about the false teacher, they profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Quit listening to them. Get them out. But as for you, well, that's quite a transition, isn't it? But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. He's talking to the pastor. Paul is telling the pastor, but as for you, Titus, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. You know what he's saying? Say it! Tell it. Teach it. That the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women, likewise, I just proved to you what I said earlier, the church needs the older people. 
You thought the message, you thought, you said, you said all that, and you were thinking, oh, geez, I could have stayed home and ate some bluebell and went to bed early. He's talking to these young people. The first thing he addresses is older people. It's your response. You notice I said your. It's your responsibility. I might fall in that category since I was probably somewhere around the average median age of the day. So that probably made me old. And so that makes some of you ancient of days. <laughs> like Simeon. <laughs> Let the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. And you know what he's saying? Model it for them. Show them how to do it. If you're acting, if that's why when I become a man, I put away childish things. You, you, we, we got fools raising fools. Older women, likewise, that they may be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands. Boy, that's a lost art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there in just a second. Hey, you older women, teach your younger women to love their husbands. You know what we teach them? Always counterculture. You know what we teach people today and been teaching them for years? Baby, you do this and this and this so you don't ever have to depend on no man. I got a newsflash for all of us. God, God expected, and it was his plan, for women to depend on men. Unless you get all up in the air right quick. You know what? I got in the, She's sitting right back there. I depend on her. I depend on her. And she depends on me. Marriage was God's idea. The family was the first institution he created all the way back. When he created the world, created men and women, and the first thing he did was, the first covenant was the covenant of marriage. It was his plan. Families were God's idea. And according to his book. It's completely counterculture. The American idea that has now taken over the world That we don't need each other. But the Bible, not just in Titus, all over it says, but here he says, well, older women, it's your responsibility to teach the younger women to love their husbands. To love their children. To be discreet and chaste. That means covered up, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Homemakers, good. Well, how about that? Older women, it's your, it's your job to teach younger women to be good. We'll get to the men's in a minute. Don't y'all panic. But you know, the man said he likes where I'm at. It's got to change. It's got to change. The family is the bedrock of civilization. It's got to change. 
Well, a family can be whatever. There's a lot of things that family can be, but there's a lot of things family can't be either. The Word of God is the defining is the defining agent about what a family is. It's the, it, the Word of God is the defining agent of everything. There's no such thing as a half Christian. There's no such thing as a as a buffet Christian. As a smorgasbord Christian. As a, I like that part, but I don't like that part. There's no such thing, hear me, as I love Jesus, but I don't like the Word of God. I heard my friend Jason Stidham preach over at Family Worship Center this morning. If you get a chance, go listen to it. It's awesome. It's good. It's fantastic. Needed Word. And he said something that this morning that fits right here. He said, if you believe that you love Jesus, but you don't like the Word of God, he said, you are a walking oxymoron. And he said, and heavy on the moron. Because Jesus cannot be divorced from his word. Because he is the living word. You can't, do, you can't have one without the other. That's awful dogmatic of you. I've told Sunday school class this morning, I am awfully dogmatic. About the word of God. I'm not dogmatic on the things that he don't talk about. Keep me straight, Lord. That they're obedient to their husband. Boy, that's the, that throws a kink in everything. He's not talking about slaves here. He's going to talk about slaves here in just a minute. He's not talking about slaves here. I mean, hush. Yeah, we go over to other... I, 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 I mean, it's, it, it, you can't hardly say it in churches. People glaze over, their eyes roll up in their head. They think, oh, this, is, this is that radical Christian stuff. That's, this is that takes me back, taking us back 100 years. I thought, good God, I don't want to go back 100 years. I want to go back 2,000. I want to go back to Pentecost. I want to go back to the cross. <laughs> it's his way. This is the way. Walk in it. I might as well address that right quick because people get all hung up on it. They, they, there's people the world tries to tell you, the atheist tries to tell you, the deconstructor tries to tell you, the God-hater tries to tell you that this is a misogynistic book geared toward a male-dominated society and that is absolute and utter poppycock is what that is. It's none of the above. It's none of the above. The highest obligation in a family unit is not submission. And it doesn't even mean what people, what, what ignorant people have tried to make it out to be in the past. It, it never has been that. The highest obligation in a family is to a husband to love his wife. That's the highest obligation, much higher than anything else. It's a much higher standard. Husband, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I'm, I'm about to catch a gear. Because I'm going to tell you something. Any man that will love his wife the way Christ loved the church, that, there's, not, there's not a woman alive that, wouldn't, that, that would have any problem with him ever. Because Christ loved the church to death. Christ loved the church, that's us. That there was nothing he didn't supply for. 
Christ loved the church to us that he never wronged anybody in, in action, word, or deed. He loved the church so much that he made a way back to God. He loved the church so much that he, was, that he provided, that he counseled, that he protected, that, that he was willing to die for. Husband, be willing to die for your wife. Hear me, young people. If I, if I, if I had four sons and a son-in-law on live stream tonight, I would look in the camera right now and say it because three of them are married, one of them's about to be, and the other one I'm praying about. <laughs> <laughs> and this is what I would say to my boys. Corey, Love Ashton, the way Christ loved the church. James Robert Armstrong III, love Megan Tweedy, the way Christ loved the church. Brandon Collins, love Alize, like Christ loved the church. Joey Fusilier, love my daughter, the way Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. And what would that mean? If there's some hairy-legged boy that you're still wanting to run around with and be, there's something, forsaking all others. Number God and then her. That there's nobody on this earth that you'd rather spend time with. I'm talking about Christ loved the church. Hear me. I'm talking about how Christ loved the church. We got a problem. And it doesn't matter. It could be, we, we, from, from, it doesn't matter if they're 20 or if they're 60. We got a problem all over the, all over the place. Because when, they, when a man loves his wife the way Christ loves the church, it's a beautiful union where they both have love and respect and, 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 and filling each other's needs and, and, and being the, the, his wife was to come alongside. It's about what's good for one is good for the other. Christ would never do anything to the church that wasn't good for him and him for the church. Never. There, there was nobody more important than the bride of Christ. It's who he's preparing a place for. It's who he's coming back after. It's who he, it's who he gave it all for. Uh, husbands, love your wives. It's not even close to comparison about what he asked of wives to their husbands. Not even close. Husbands, love your wife. I tell everybody I've ever married... Before I, before I agree to marry him, hear me. And I, I turn to that young man and I say, hear me. You're fixing the vow to forsake all others. And let me explain it to you, what it means. Since, since most of y'all been married longer than I've been alive, I'll explain it to you. And you need to hear it because it's the Word of God. Forsaking all others means more than I won't have sex with somebody else. Somebody shout. Somebody say amen. The rest of you take a breath. The Word of God describes everything about marriage unions and it ought to be being taught all of our life. That scummy soap opera you watch talks about all this just in a perverted way. That backroom computer perverts all of this. The schools are perverting all of this. The media is perverting all of this. 
All of it's been perverted by, by all of it. And then we get in the church and people go, he said sex and puberty. A uh, while ago he said puberty. Forsaking all others means I'm way more than I won't have sex with somebody else. That ought to be a given. Nobody should have to tell you that. Forsaking all others means when the guys want to go out on Thursday night, but your wife wants to go to dinner with you, tell the guys, bye. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. There's, some, there's somebody with gray hair in here that ought to be saying amen, preacher. It's loud enough for your kids and grandkids to hear it. You ought to say amen. It means way more that I want to go to the races that my wife needs help. I told you if, my, if, my, if all my kids were listening to that, they've heard it. But I'd say it, to, I'd line them up right here and say it. And I say, you know, my wife's right there. She'll be my witness. I stay out of their business. I know y'all find that completely unbelievable. But I, in general, I, I, I know where I belong. I know where I belong in your life. Y'all don't think I do, but I do. I you know where I belong in your life? I come in here, open this book, preach, thus saith the Lord. This is the way. Walk you in it. You leave, do with it what you will. That's my role in your life. If you don't invite me in any other place, then I don't have anything to say. I'm not responsible for you. Spiritual abuse everywhere. Man, I've been, wanting, I've been waiting to talk about spiritual abuse. But I'm going to tell you, it's spiritual abuse when a pastor's telling people who they can date. It's spiritual abuse when a pastor's telling them who they can, who they can marry. It is spiritual abuse when they're telling him how, I, I, there's churches right here in this area telling people when they can buy a house and when they can't. I thought, I barely got enough time for my own life, much less yours. And there's nothing in this word that mandates that job to the pastor. My job is to preach the word straight without compromise. You hear it. Make up your mind what you're going to do with it. I, my kids, when they get married now, the house and all that, I had, I had, I can say all this now because they, they're in the grave. I had an overbearing mother-in-law to start with. Oh, it was a love-hate relationship. When we, were, when we were good, we were good. When we were bad, we were bad. You know why? I can tell you why. Because you know I'm a breath of fresh air. I'll tell you why. Because she couldn't let people make their own mistakes. Now I'm not talking. Hear me. Instruct. Give, give it. Teach. From first of all, because some of you think I'm fixing to contradict myself. Let me tell you something. The time to start teaching people how to be married and how to respect each other and how to love people was not on their wedding night. You know what the most teaching I've ever given my boys in my life on marriage and family was how I treat her all their life. The greatest testimony ever, when, when my late wife was alive, for 23 years I demonstrated to our boys what it was 
to love their mother. It wasn't about when they got married that I started saying, well, son, do this and son, do that. They're, they're going to, if they come to you, they're going to make mistakes sometimes. And sometimes there's a place for you, but when they, okay, okay. Are you hearing me? This is the Bible's address of this. Old men, young one, old men, teach the young men. It says be sober and act right. It's talking about never having any fun. It's not talking about never having any fun. Is it talking about that you can't ever go anywhere with anybody other than your wife, other than your husband? It's not talking about that. It's talking about when they need you, they're your priority. It's talking about you're still wanting to run around with the guys you might not have been needing to get married. It's talking about, oh, I could get in trouble because people will misunderstand you. What you do for recreation is your own business. I don't care if it's not illegal or, or immoral or any of that stuff. And if your wife don't kill you over it, God bless you. I'm not talking about, I'm not talking, help me help you. But I'm going to tell you, if, 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 if grown men are giving 90% of their free time to an Xbox, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. I've seen an Xbox and I've seen my wife. I know which one I like better. <laughs> Amen or oh me. You say, preacher said we shouldn't play video games. I did not. I did not. I almost did. <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> All that was in two verses. Likewise, Exhort the young men. Did I tell you who young men were? I don't remember, did I? Yeah, I did. Who were young men? Not the old men. <laughs> who were young men? Is he talking to 19, 20 year olds? We, get, we mess up when we read the Bible through white western eyes. Is he talking to 19, 20? I mean, we got some people can't even admit they're young men when they're 25. They find out when they get arrested. They find out. You know what? If they, they kill somebody with malice, with complete intention, with dis, total disregard for human life when they're 13, 14 years old, you know what they do? They try them as an adult. Am I still okay? Yes. You know why? Because it's the word. So when are they young men? About 13. Oh, that raises the bar. Likewise, exhort. Who's, who's he telling to exhort? The old men. Exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing themselves to be a pattern of good works. How many things? All things. In doctrine, showing integrity. The word, Jeff, the word of God expects us to be teaching 13-year-olds to have integrity. Fathers, mothers, the word of God says to teach your young 
your, your young adults to walk in integrity. To act right. To be respectful. Reverence. I mean, we, we, we've came to the point now that, that we think they're well-behaved if they just don't cuss you to your face. And if you don't believe that, talk to any teacher in public school. If you don't, hear me, I know it's shocking to some of us. If you don't believe that, talk to any teacher in a public school, even in your little small town. I guarantee you, every teacher you've talked to has had a, had a kid tell them to F off in the last two weeks straight to their face. And you know what? Not a thing they can do about it. And then you wonder why 60% quit the job after two years. Hmm. Preacher, I wish you'd move on. How can we move on when it hadn't been taught? Young, old men, tell young men, exhort the, the young men. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm exhorting. The young men, in all things, Yourself, being a good pattern of good works and doctrine showing integrity and reverence and incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say about them. You, you know what he's saying? Teach them to act and speak in such a way that when somebody accuses them or come against them, that you know they're lying. Do you hear me? That you know they're lying. There's been things. There was one time I, I, went to the, I went to the principal's office one time with James Armstrong. Now, I can't say that about all of them. But I went to the, office, the principal's office one time with James Armstrong when he was nine, in ninth grade. You know why I went? Because he was for real being bullied. We got too many parents today that, that have their little smart aleck punks that are picking on everybody and then when they retaliate they think their child's getting bullied. Mm, help me keep it in their lines. How many of you know we have a, a school here? How many know we interview parents and students all the time? How many even, uh, let me give you a little heads up. Every parent that has walked in the door says, we want to move them here because they're being bullied and they're being, a, you know what? When they got there, their kid was a bully punk. Is that right? Is that right? Now, some of them we got that out of. Some of them, see you later, tater. Because I got news for you. It was you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. They say, our young men, 13 years old, that we should be teaching them to behave and speak and act in such a manner that when somebody, what it, it says, it's such sound speech that cannot be condemned. I called up there and said, this is what's happening on the bus and at school. It needs to stop. It's going to stop. I mean, that, that'll take care of it. Everybody knows me and it's right and everything. Well, it didn't. Well, I, you know, I told you I'm in town. Everybody knows me. 
every secretary at the school, every principal, every teacher, every, I mean, everybody knows me. And it kept going on and it kept going on. So one day he called me and told me what had went on. He, talking about, I'm talking about, you know what? He was a kid that I could trust because he, he, he hadn't lied to me. Even when he went to Hooters, he told me. <laughs> Hello, I'm trying to help you. So I walked in the school. Hey, Shauna that's at the front desk goes to First Assembly in Paris with church with her all my life. Vicky over here graduated with my late wife. She was still alive at the time, right there. We, we knew all this, all this over here. You know what I did? I walked in the school, walked right past Shauna. I walked right past Vicky. And they were going, JR, 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 JR. I said, I know where her office is. I walked in there. She's sitting at her desk, opened the door and sat down. She says, Mr. Armstrong, uh, 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 what are you doing? I said, I came to talk to you. She said, about what? I said, you hadn't put a stop to what was going on on that school bus. And she said, well, but Mr. Armstrong, you got to understand. I said, hold the phone. I don't got to understand nothing. Here's who better understand. It's going to stop today or I'm going to stop it. You can't come in here making threats. I said, no, ma'am, I ain't making threats. I'm telling you right now, you're going to stop it or I'm going to stop it. Which do you want? And she said, Mr. Armstrong, I said, Miss Ray, hold the phone. I said, I got a question. She had switched schools. She used to be in the elementary school and she had switched to the middle school by this time. So she had had him all, all of us since the kindergarten. She had him all the way through. I said, Fran Ray. I said, do you, know, do you know all the names of the bad kids in this school? She said, oh, yeah. I said, why do you know them? She said, because they're in here all the time. I said, have you ever in nine years had my son sitting in front of you for a discipline problem, for being a punk, for being a smart aleck, for, being, for cussing teachers and spitting and, and, and stealing and, and fussing? And all? She says, no, sir. I said, that's why I'm here. And that's why you're going to hear me. And that's why you're going to stop it. Or I'm going to stop it. You say, what are you talking about? Raise your kids in such a way that when charges and problems come against, I'm not talking about the blind eye that says, oh, my baby don't do nothing. I'm not talking about that. You know why he was raised that way? Because I was fully aware that he could do that. And I, I, don't make me kill you. I named you after me and paid the hospital bill already. Do not make me kill you. Hello? It's good preaching. It's good preaching. It's good preaching. Raise your kids in such a way that when people come against them, it says that that you don't even have to think about it. It sounds speech that cannot be condemned. That a word of God may not be blasphemed. Oh, that, 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 that it cannot be condemned. That one who has an opponent may be ashamed. You know what he's saying? Let them, teach them to live in such a life when people come against them that it shames them because everybody knows they're lying. Who, who wants that kid? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. I want that kid. And you don't, they don't just happen. They don't, they don't just, whoop, oh, there's that kid. That don't happen. 
They don't come out. And I, Scott, am I still all right? Let me give you a newsflash. I'm very aware that every old crow thinks hers is the blackest. Sam, you're from Arkansas. You know what that means, right? Yes, yes. Do I need to interpret that? I mean, if I was a crow, I wouldn't want to be different. I wouldn't want, I would, I would want, I would want to be black. Because you know why? Because crows are black. I'm aware that every, I, I need to borrow him a second. Just in case you know, now this is times two, just so you know. I am very aware that this is the cutest baby that's ever been born. <laughs> this is your first time as a seven-minute illustration. Get used to it. Times two. Hey. Times two. And I am equally as aware that this will be the smartest grandchild ever born in the human race all the way back to the garden. I'm aware of that. But you may not be. I'm trying to talk to you. I'm trying. Hey. This is my buddy right here. There's lots, me and him's got lots of plans. I hope you're hearing me. They, he's brilliant. I know already. He's brilliant. You know why? Because he loves me. I mean, that's it. that was his first sign. That is his first thing. That is the first evidence that this kid right there is a genius. I just made him throw up. I've made people throw up before. <laughs> I'm aware. I'm aware. You know, I've no, oh, you just wouldn't believe how smart. I, that's another thing. I've noticed when parents come in telling me how smart their kids are, that means we're going to have to spend two years catching them up. <laughs> that's just experience talking. That's preacher in him. Uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you say, why do you say stick silly stuff in? So you'll swallow. Do you know that's why, Jeff? That's why. It's so you can say, "Bam!" <laughs> Just a spoonful of sugar. I've always been confused about how the, the world's smartest children come from the world's dumbest son-in-law. But now I'm not talking about Joey. He's the only son-in-law I got. I'm not talking, I'm, no, I'm talking about the history. I'm talking about the history in my experience. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to get to somewhere. This is, this is one of the places I'm getting to you. Parents, I'm talking about parents, grandparents, older people, young people. I know you think that they come out, they really do come out into this world, they don't know nothing. That's right. They know nothing. I know you think they do, I know you think they don't know anything. 
They don't know anything. They, don't, they, they, don't, they can't even hold their head up. They don't know anything. They don't fix their own bottles. They don't rock themselves to sleep. I can testify they don't do it. They don't know anything. And everything they learn, and they're learning, they learn from you. Somebody teaches it to them. And the Bible says to train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they're older, they'll not depart from it. If you train them to be smart-mouthed little punks, and that is training. If you teach them to be disrespectful, they're watching you. They learned it from you. There is nothing that's ever taught me and changed my... My wife might not even believe this, but there's nothing that's taught me more even in my life as they began to get older when I began to hear my voice come out of my children's mouth. And I'm not talking about the good stuff. Oh, it became a hard-hitting reality. And when, if they're acting like a punk and disrespectful and treat, and treat girls wrong and, and they're a hellion and everything else, if you're saying, that's my boy, you need somebody to work on you a little bit. What am I saying this for? This is sound doctrine. Sound teaching. You want to turn, I want to turn it around. I can't preach to the church down the street because I'm not their pastor. I can't do anything about what they're doing in California. I can rear all about California all I want to, but in this world, they're all here too. I can, I can talk about what the, this one's doing and that one's doing and this one's falling for that and that one's engaged in that and boy, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you hear about their kid? Well, what about your kid? Did you hear about all that? I can't do, but you know what I can do? I can, pre- I can prepare this people. I can teach these families. I can teach this family. I can teach this church. I can take the bullets from people who get mad at me and want to come talk to me and say, I know you were talking to me. I think, well, if you know I'm talking to you, then I mean, then I probably was. I thought, when did we get, when did pastors get ashamed of, I was talking to you. I mean, if, if you think I was talking to you, I probably was. You know, there were, there were times when the pastor ran smooth over my, I, I grew up under Bobby Johnson. I mean, he was no respecter of, of toes. He was no respecter of anything when it came to the word of God. This is it. You know what it did? It built a great church with great people, great families, great kids, generations of leaders Preachers, missionaries, evangelists, school teachers, lawyers, doctors that went to college and didn't apostatize, that they, they became great legal minds and still love the Lord. They become great doctors and still know there's a creator. They become great school teachers and still teach things that are true and will not shove the junk down people. Are y'all even hearing me in this place? And you know what? People either loved him or they hated him. There wasn't no in-between. It was, oh, man, Brother Johnson was the best thing. I mean, he was. 
Best preacher I ever knew. Been gone since 2008. You know, or, or you heard, I couldn't stand that. I couldn't, oh, I, I hated him. Brother Clendenin famously said that the preacher ought to be the most loved man in town and the most hated man in town. You know, because people that love the light, love, they love the light. And they that don't, they hate. Mm. When God wrote it down in his word, it was for us. I can't go further. I want to, but I can't. Not tonight. He wrote it down and gave it to us and told us to teach it. Young teach, old teach the young. We got, we got the young now that don't want to, not only demanding a seat at the table, but they want the table. It's because they wasn't taught. And we can't fall for this. Church, we can't fall for it. We can't fall for it. I haven't just talked to parents and grandparents. I, I've talked to old people because he talked to old people. I've talked to middle-aged people because he's talking to middle-aged people. I've talked to young people because he's talking to them here. And he's given instructions. And his instructions are not, are not ambiguous. And this is what it takes. What I was going to tell you a while ago, parents, it's hard. It's hard. They, they come out not knowing nothing. I mean, they don't know anything. And it says to train them. Now, now, now hear, 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 hear me. Hear me. Hear me. Oh, I'm about to say something that's going, I'm, I'm about, I, I, I don't, does anybody in here train dogs and hunting dogs and all that stuff? Raise your hand so I know who I'm striking at. Good, because I didn't know, see, I didn't know. And I'm not comparing your kids to dogs or nothing like that, but we know what it means to train a dog. We know what it means to train a dog. And you know what it takes? It takes repetition. It takes consistency. It takes correction, and it takes reward. It takes consistency. It takes repetition. It takes correction, and it takes reward. It takes consistency. It takes repetition. It takes correction, and it takes reward. Say, so why do you keep rereading that? Because it takes repetition, correction, and reward. You know what? It stinks sometimes. You know what? It's frustrating sometimes. I want him to roll over and he wants to shake my hand. I want him to bring the ball back and he go get it all right, but then he runs all the way across the world. Now you say, I'm not, I'm not talking about you. I'm not calling your kids dogs. I'm telling you, we got understanding how to train a dog, but we, got, we don't have time to train our kids. I, I love to talk to men sometimes because these women get you get in trouble if you talk about women when you're a man. But you can talk about men because I can tell you that I've seen that people didn't have 10 minutes for their son, but they had, but they had 10 weeks for their Labrador. 
Their Labrador, their Labrador, I mean, they, they were something else. I mean, they were a duck dog. I mean, they, but, their, but, their, but their son was a juvenile delinquent. I'm telling you that we're not a dumb society. We have our priorities mixed up. We're too busy being offended that the preacher had something to say. We're too busy being offended that, that we're going to teach the Word of God. We're too busy being offended that we're going to say, we're going to teach these young to know the Lord of God. We're going to teach them young to love the Lord. We're going to teach them young to respect each other. We're going to teach them that it's not okay when an adult says, hey, how you doing? And say, what? Yeah. I'll take an offering at the end of this. Just see how it goes. In closing, we're going to pray. We're going to need to pray. Jeff, this is a good preacher. Brandon, this is a good preacher. If I say so myself. You know why I can say this? Because it's in the book. It's in the book. And this way, by the way, this other way ain't working. Oh, Dr. Spock ran the generation, and everybody picked it up and ran with it after that. Spanking them is going to warp their mind. I, I, I got to tell you, that is absolutely true. My, I mean, it's absolutely true. My daddy warped my mind so good that I never said that to him again. My daddy warped my mind so good that I never gave a thought to going, to going and doing that again. My daddy warped my mind so good that I started to even peep about raising my voice and he's in the back of the house. He'd say, hey boy, I'll be there in a minute. Sit there and wait on me. I feel like I'm speaking a foreign language. And I addressed some pretty heavy things this morning about a spirit that's dealing with our children in this church. And that's what it is. We're going to apply the word because it works. We're going to say what needs to be said because we're, we are commanded to say it. He says, he says, Titus, pastor, say this. And that, that's one of the first. My son, pastor, say this. Say it. Train them. Teach them. When they don't understand, give them understanding. You're the most important person in their life. Grandparents, parents, you're the most important people in their life. Grandparents, quit undermining your parents. Man, it's, it, quit, don't undermine those parents. By the way, don't, don't, don't repeat the same dumb mistakes you repeat. Don't encourage them to repeat the same dumb mistakes you, you, you made. Learn from it. It'll change this church. But before it changes this church, it'll change your home. And you know what it'll do? It'll raise young men and young women that we can be proud of. Take responsibility for what you do. That's a good one. Look people in the eye. 
I'm trying to find an offer up here, but I'm gonna, can I talk to you about the stuff in this church? Things that, you know why the reason I preach things in this church? Because I see it in this church. When somebody, we got stupid things going on in this world that people don't think, they're teaching their children, they don't have to be, they don't have to be respectful to adults. Quit teaching your children, they have to speak to people. We're not talking about the pervert in the park here. We're not talking about stranger danger here. We're not talking about getting in the van with the man with the candy here. We're not talking about, have you seen my lost puppy here? We're talking about the place that you go as the body of Christ and they don't think they have to speak to people. Our kids. There's a few of you in here that you're older now, four and a half years older, and you probably remember me speaking to you and, and you kept walking. I say, hey, son. I spoke to you. Play something. <laughs> Let me throw something else out there. Shy, not shy in a being shy. And people are shy. People can be shy. Not everybody's a type A in your face, me. People can be shy. Being shy is no excuse for being rude. That's right. That's right. Period. End of story. You know why? They gotta, they're going to have to function in life. I've seen in this church where rather than say excuse me because they're shy they'll push by somebody and push them out of their way. I had one time where four times with four different people I was behind them saying we say excuse me. We say excuse me. We say excuse me. You better stop because we say excuse me I'm not dealing with another church I'm dealing with this one so I ain't never coming back there again that's okay I'm still going to preach the word and it's still right because he just told you in the word of God to teach young, old women teach young women old men teach young men to be respectful in their speech To be upright in their dealings. To be relational to other human beings. And he makes no exceptions. And you know what all that comes down to when it's all said and done? It comes down to fruit. I wish I'd have preached this Sunday morning, but this is not what it gave me. That's how I'm, I mean, at church, I, I, I like the Sunday night crowd and the Wednesday night crowd because that's your core. But I, I would love to have preached this Sunday morning, and if I ever get the chance, I'll do it again. And we're not done. This is what's going to change us. And you know what this really is, Jason? This is the foundation for a move of God in a student ministry. This is the foundation for a, for a move of God where five-year-olds get saved. Where five and six-year-olds get baptized in the Holy Ghost. Where we never have to go through a season of them out there acting crazy. Where we never have to go through a season of, of rebellion. I mean, anybody can rebel under the best circumstances, but it, it shouldn't be everybody. It shouldn't be accepted that, 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 
teenagers are, are punks and that young girls are drama queens. This is us. This is the word. Hey, Pastor Titus, say this. This is what will change everything. Why do I say it? Because I don't want to see any more heartache in my office than I have to. Why do I say this? I want revival in this church. And this is just as much of decency and an order as not running around the church in the middle of service and not, and not giving a message in tongues at the wrong time or, or a bad prophecy. It's just as much decency and order as all the rest of it. It's how God moves. Let me tell you something, church. Our God is an excellent God. Our, our God is an excellent God. We should be excellent people. 